Not Just Football with Cam Hayward is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet, you get with Caesar's Rewards. Must be 21 or older. I remember one time I escaped Reggie White. We were, he was in Carolina at the time, and I threw this like 75-yard bomb, and he, he he was hanging off my foot after I let it go, and I I looked down, I kind of helped him up, and that deep old voice is, she's like, damn, Leaf, you were big. <laughs> and we are back with another episode of Not Just Football with Cam Hayward. I'm your host, number 97, Cam Hayward. Hayden, he's here. Let's have some fun today. You ready to get down to it? Yeah, I'm really excited to get down to it. Got a couple cool topics for you. Uh, we're going to discuss a little Russell Wilson, get some fan questions. But I think first, with the week that it is, we need to start off with Combine. Uh, I know you went to the Combine. You didn't compete because you were taking an injury. We won't discuss that right now. But Bryce Young won't be throwing at the Combine. What does that mean to you as an evaluator? You're not about to just run through that, okay? <laughs> Uh, first of all, I wasn't injured. I mean, I was injured, but I didn't fake an injury, but I don't think the combine matters at all. We'll talk about that later. Let's talk about, you know, uh, this quarterback that has a chance to go top five, Bryce Young from Alabama, um, won't throw at the combine. Um, and I think it doesn't really matter. You've seen what he's done with receivers. He has a good relationship with, you know, has chemistry. Um, and I feel like sometimes you only hurt yourself when you put yourself in a situation where, you know, uh, you know, you don't have the receivers you've been accustomed to. Like why are, why is a quarterback trying to throw to receivers who he doesn't understand their breaking points. He doesn't understand how they relate the routes um, and what's their strengths. You know, I know we're trying to, you know, pub out, you know, good content for, good receivers and and quarterbacks, but man, if you don't have those guys that, you know, can go out there and get it, does it really look like, you know, if it's an incomplete throw and you overthrow them, who looks more at fault for that? So um, I I don't know if it's, it really helps him out as much. You know, I think it's going to be huge for pro day, you know, so he can show he's had the time with receivers. Um, And I think for any quarterback, when you look at the combine, it just, it really makes no sense um, in the grand scheme of things to, you know, participate in some of those things other than giving the receivers, you know, an extra arm to throw to. Do you think some teams, though, would prefer him to throw considering Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Levis, I believe I pronounced that name correctly, yes. and and CJ Stroud are all going to be throwing and it's almost like they want to see him compete against them? You're going to compete either way, you know. I think you're going to have a pro day, you know. You're all going to be there. I, I, I think we put too much stock into the combine. I think there's drills and things that don't pertain to the next level. Um, and I don't, I know, like, is it really that more competitive if every guy is thrown out there, you guys don't have an O-line, and, you know, you don't have rushers in your face? We're literally playing seven on seven, and you can th- you can hold on to the ball as long as you want. Like, what are we really teaching the guys here? You're looking – you're it's it's – I like to think it's like a uh, – it's almost like modeling because you're showing off the goods. You're showing everybody the the high-up leg and everything, um, but you can't touch, and you can't draft them off of that. <laughs> and, you know, it's not actually – you know, you're not getting to actually know that person and to know how they tick. Um, you know, for all you can say, everybody has a plan until they get hit, and in the combine, they're not getting hit at all. 
So let me ask you this. What drills at the combine would you say are the most uh, not important when it comes to evaluating a football player? Uh, the 40 is overrated. Um, the fact that we make O-linemen, D-linemen, I, I could understand a 10 or a 20. I, I think that's huge. You can see acceleration. You can see them get out of their stands. You can see hips. You can see, you know, a, a, a magnitude of things. But then, you know, I think the 40 is just overrated. I look at some of these D-line drills, and the ones I like are the bag drills because you can see them stop and start, you know, getting over pads because there's no such thing as perfect play in defensive line. It's about, you know, dealing with, you know, the clutter and dealing, getting off blocks, um, reacting to stuff. That's cool. But then you get some of these drills, I'm just like, eh, do you really need that? Is me doing a broad jump just going to show you the world of what I'm capable of. You know, I'd rather show, I, I rather we got away from the combine and everybody participated, participated in a practice like setting. And then it led to some type of game. One, I can break down tape Two, I can see how you, how you deal with breaking down tape. Do you ask questions? Um, do you take it to the practice field? Um, are you continuing to ask questions there? And then how you relate to a game how you interact with teammates, how you lead guys. These are all more important things than just, you know, I'm in spandex showing you I can jump high. (laughs) It it doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, so let me ask you this. What do you think they could add at the combine to make it more realistic? You know, I I don't know who it all be for. I think we have the Senior Bowl and we have these, these, you know, East-West Shrines and and these type of things, these scrimmages of sorts. Those are pretty much bigger but i'll tell you right now any team you think is just using the combine as their way to really scout a player you're you're poorly mistaken there is no like the the coaches could go in and not look at film at all i mean not look at the combine at all and still draft the perfect guy they want i think the combine is way overrated it's for you know ratings and such and you know we're trying to get good content we're trying to get the likes and stuff but at the end of the day, if they don't perform well there, that is no, you know, um, that's no guarantee that he's going to be a terrible player. I didn't even do the combine. I literally had meetings and was the, just talking to coaches. Like my best interview was with the Steelers where I was just, you know, getting to know them. They were getting to know me. Uh, I'm talking to Coach LeBeau, Mike T, uh, Coach Butler, John Mitchell, Um I enjoyed those because they got to see more of my personality. My worst meeting was with the Denver Broncos. Um, Mike Shanahan was there. And, you know, he's asking me to go up to the board. I think I made, like, a joke and nobody laughed. And so I was like, oh, gosh, I'm off to a terrible start with this. And then I dropped the marker, and the marker ended up behind the board. And I'm like, guys, like, I wish I could restart this whole thing because this is not not going well. Um, but you know, some of these, some of these teams ask the dumbest questions too. Like it's not just the physical side, but there is a mental portion where teams feel like they have to ask you like off the wall questions just to see how you react. And it has nothing to do with football. It does not translate. It does not mean you're going to be a bad player or a good player. So I, I think you could really scrap the whole thing. See, the funny thing, though, is I think I agree that if you are bad at the combine, it might not ruin you. But we both have seen guys that if they do really well at the combine, right, like mm-hmm. they run like a John Ross is a guy that came to mind. He may have been a first round talent before the combine. But when he ran that four two, 
he became a guaranteed first runner. So I, I disagree a little bit that I do think teams do take some of the drills there a little more serious than you think, because we've seen guys who ended up not being very good at all get drafted because they were combine warriors. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> there was the, you know, everybody's got to do the bench press and everybody first you go up in your spandex, in your tight shirt and they say your name, say how much you weigh and they have you get up there. Everybody else is around you on a like around the stage, and then the coaches are just on the in the bleach, bleachers, and they're all watching you. I couldn't do a thing. I'm watching guys do 50 reps easy. Like there, were, I, I I don't want to go into names, but there was one guy who was doing 50 reps. He's pumping it, and I'm like, man, this dude is strong. There's no way there, there's no way he's not taken in the first round. Um, he wasn't. But then, like, I'm just there cheering on the whole time. I'm like, go, guys, go get them. You know, go get it. That's how you do that. Yeah, yeah. And, like, somehow I got drafted in the first round. How does that work? Like, it, like, it really makes no sense. We do a, um, a bench press because I think it comes down to functional training. How can you apply that strength to the actual job? It's not actually just being strong as an ox. How can you apply that and make sure you're dominant in tight quarters yeah i got a question though what do you think you what did, did you do bench press at the pro I day i did what do you think you would have gotten 225 how many times if i really got pretty, to train for it you're pretty strong i mean yeah you're a strong guy I mean, what do you think you think you can get above 30 yeah i can get above 30 really because you I, know i remember when you were in going through that i think it was me and Corey, your brother were like going back and forth on what you would jump in the vertical do you remember that i jumped in a uh, pro day I know, I know. We we didn't think you'd get above 35, but I'm pretty sure you did. You got like 37, didn't you? 35 and a half. Oh, that's what it was. I remember yeah. that, man. Yeah, I didn't think you'd get this kind of ups. Corey was shocked. Yeah. I know, he was, he was. But you could dunk in high school, so maybe, I don't know if you could still dunk now. but uh, I can still dunk, it just hurts my knees. <laughs> yeah, see, you should, we, we talked about this, I think, last week. No more basketball until you're done. Right, yeah, um, I, I've given up the basketball. <laughs> okay, so overall, though, you're out on the pro day and kind of think it's almost pointless. I'm out on the combine. I do oh, I think pro, pro day, and I think having some type of scrimmage or, you know, bowl game where we really get to see these guys in action and you get the, a closer look, have a closer look on these guys. Um, you know, I just think there's so much more you could do with a kid if you can, you know, have that practice like structure with them. Now, and I want to go one more thing on here. Not that like you have a choice because obviously there's a draft, but does the meeting part of it allow you to maybe see teams? Uh, I don't really want to play for them. or I wouldn't have as much. I wouldn't be as comfortable in that organization. I guess that's what Eli Manning did. Well, I mean, that <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I, don't know. That, I know that's one of our bosses and one of our bosses brothers. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I guess you can you can look at the situations and say, you know, we are – this isn't a good fit for me. Um, I don't think I ever thought that. I thought wherever I end up, you know, that's where the work starts mm -hmm. um, because I think you, you know, you, you only get drafted once and there are a numerous amount of factors that can happen. But the only thing I can control is when I get there, let's get to work. You know, some, some guys think once you've gotten drafted, that's it. I'm able to take care of my family. I've I've heard of guys getting cut, you know, they're second rounders. I haven't seen a first rounder get cut in a long time, but um, I just think you have to go in with the mindset that there's more work to be done.
Yeah, I don't know. It's I'm excited to watch some of it. I know you think some of it's pointless, but it is. It's made for TV, and and when you see you a just guy like football, looking at everybody in the spandex. Basically. No, 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 no. I like watching a quarterback throw it 75 yards in shorts. In which I think, they, I think they, should be, they should be doing that in pads. By the way, right? Make them yeah. run some of the drills in pads at least. And also, why can't we throw a DB out there against them occasionally just to see? I would love that. That that would be very cool. And that would, you know, be productive. O-line versus D-line, you know, nobody really wants to do it without padding because O-linemen like to complain, oh, he's bullish to me. But, the you know, the O-linemen know how to play the drill too. You know, mm-hmm. in, a, in, a O-line, in a pass rushing drill, an O-lineman will play off and know he doesn't have to, you know, jump at the line of scrimmage because the more he, he has time to recover, the more he looks good. Uh, so there are little things for the O-linemen, D-linemen that wouldn't be great without pads. But then I think, you know, wide receivers and DBs, you know, you could get, you know, better better looks at good players and understand who's at the top of the picking order and who's at the bottom. Yeah, no, I don't know. It should be exciting. Hopefully they take some of our advice and uh, yes. spice it up a little bit. Um, all right, I want to go to so the rumor mill with you here. Ooh, some of the NFL stuff going rumors. on. Yeah, no, rumor mill. You like that, huh? Um all right, so we got a rumor coming out of Seattle. The Athletic reported mm-hmm. that Russell Wilson gave an ultimatum to the Seahawks ownership requesting to replace Pete Carroll with Sean Payton, who now happens to be his coach in Denver. I, I just want to know, if a story like this were to leak in the Steeler locker room, how would you as a leader go about it, and what is your take on it? Sometimes you just got to let you know rumors be rumors. Um, you know, Sometimes you don't have to give stuff life. Uh, you know, I, I, I almost don't believe the rumor. I think there were things where, you know, Russ wanted more say in the offense or and wanted to have different things they did. But I don't think he outright said, I want this coach replaced or I want this general manager replaced. I don't think, you know, from a from my position, from, from a player perspective, players don't really do that. Like, we control what we can control. And I don't think a player enters front, front office and says, I want this done, this done, this done. And then, like, if it's not meant, then trade me. Like, that just that, – that guy has won a Super – like, your head coach has won a Super Bowl before. Like, why are you – why would anyone think he has more say than the actual, you know, coach? Yeah, I just think it's interesting because I taking some of the quotes from former teammates in Seattle and other people who are currently in Seattle, it seems like things got really ugly there. So I don't know that I don't believe it. Maybe the story's not 100. We don't know the story full, but I think there is more there than we think because it got really ugly. And even to where the Seahawks seemed like they were piling on this year on top of him after he had been gone. I think there had to be a changing of the guard. Seahawks were known for having the Legion of Boom, the defense. The defense had won them those games. But Russ was coming along. Russ was continuing to keep growing. But there had to be a point where that offense had to be higher than that defense. And I don't think either really wanted to acknowledge that and let that be. There had to be a change of, you know, now your offense is going to have to be your focal point. We have to score more points. We have to do some things different. And your defense, you know, I I think their defense was awesome this year. Um, And they had a really good defense. But I don't think, you know, it was as simple as, you know, Russ was the problem. I I think Geno made that transition a lot smoother than people thought because, one, Russ was injured last year. And I don't think everybody paid attention to that. But once Russ got injured, the team struggled a lot. But Gino was able to come back the following year and be ready for that situation. So 
I think it was there were a lot more factors than a lot of people pay pay attention about than just Russ was just the issue. Um, who called the run? Um, I mean, who called the pass in the Super Bowl instead of the run? That's an issue right there. And I think you could you can we might need to get Richard Sherman and ask, you know, ask him who's more responsible, you know, for what happened after that Super Bowl run. Because if you look at that game, if they score that touchdown, is Russ still in Seattle? Are there so many different opportunities? And, you know, that's one more Super Bowl off of Tom Brady's list. What happens there? There are a lot of different scenarios that play out if that game plays out differently. Well, and think about it from the Russ side. You, you Two Super Bowls set you apart. I mean, Rodgers yeah. has one. Breeze has one. You know, two is like the number, right? And uh, so you're right. I mean, it, the question is on that. Did he audible out of a run to a throw? And if he did, then that's another issue here. My thing is, like, why wouldn't you run the ball? Marshawn just got you down there. Like, give it to him at least once. Let's see what happens. I know. And I think I you know. still had a timeout on the board. I, okay, I got to quit talking about this. Yeah, we got yeah, things yeah. To talk about. But, well, man, we, we could go down a rabbit hole with that one. We're going to go on to another team in the NFC West and another right. team that is kind of in a similar situation where mm-hmm. they're going to have to make some moves here. There's a rumor Jalen Ramsey will be moving, be getting traded by the Rams. Let, let's just start here. Where do you think he ends up and where do you think he fits best? I don't know where he ends up. Uh, if he ends up anywhere in the AFC North, it's got to be the Steelers. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that dude is a is a talent. You know, I like how chippy is. Um, he talks a lot of trash. He gets in the wide receiver's heads. Um, and he backs it up, you know, and he's accountable. I think from a corner perspective, that's what you want. You know, a guy who competes and, you know, is going to go out there. Um, but you know, you don't know where he's going to end up. I think there are a lot of, you know, I think there's almost every team needs a corner of that stature. Um, but who's going to pull the trigger? Um, he he does have a, a heftier, you know, um, contract where if you do bring him in, it's going to, you know, take up a portion of your, your salary cap. But uh, that's the name of the game. And if you want to be successful and you want to have a good defense, that's where it starts. Um, but you know, it's not just him gone. It's you lost Bobby Wagner as well. And so now you're, you're stuck. You have your head honcho and Aaron Donald, what goes forward? Who's able to, um, you know, make the change in, uh, really surround Aaron Donald with a lot of pieces going forward. Yeah. Aaron Donald kind of feels like that, that, uh, fresh Prince of Bel-Air meme where Will's kind of just standing in the living room by himself looking around and no one's mm-hmm. there. Like, it feels like that defense with Bobby Wagner gone and Jalen Ramsey most likely being traded. Um, you know, he thought about retiring last year. Do you think he ends up maybe retiring this year because they don't look like they're going anywhere? I don't think he's thinking about retiring uh, because there is a big, you know, number out there that if he does play, he gets to collect that. But I don't think he just plays for that. But um, you, you start to look around the situation. It's not only that they're losing players. They don't have a lot of draft capital. <laughs> and so having, you know, real, really good players leave and then not having draft picks, how do you go forward? Do you trade another player, a Cooper Cup, to try to, you know, balance out your roster a little bit more because you're you're over the cap? Um, so it'll be interesting going forward. It's always interesting around this time because if you have a rookie quarterback, you can complete your team out. 
If you don't, you're going to have to make cuts. How aware are you guys of the salary cap situation as players? Oh yeah, I'm I'm in meetings with Omar Khan breaking. No, but come on, you know what I you know what I mean by that. You know what I mean. You know if you guys are in salary cap hell or not, right? But there's there's always ways to massage the cap. You know, there's always ways to extend or restructure people to push money down when you know there's an influx of money coming in every single year because of a streaming or some ways. Um, so, you know, and I think the crazy thing is we gained all this money in salary cap this year, but we were still trying to pay back all those benefits to P- the NFL PA. Um, so making everybody whole again, you got to think next year, there's going to even be a, a bigger influx of cash. So it's like, you know, there are certain th- ways to just massage it. But then you look at teams like, you know, I, I think like years ago we had there was a New Orleans thing where it was like they couldn't p- pay a soul because they were almost a hundred million over the salary cap, and it's just like okay, like I guess that's what you got to do. But um, you know, you can always move money around. Yeah. All right. Well, I you know I didn't think you were sitting with the GM, but I figured you were at least aware of what the contract situation was, but whatever. Uh, all right. Last rumor, last rumor I want to go into, and it involves a Buckeye. So I have a feeling I know where you're leaning. Um, rumors, the bears are considering the first, tr- excuse me, the rumors that bears are considering trading the first overall pick, uh, uh-huh. depend- or potentially drafting a new quarterback. What would you do if you're the bears GM? Everybody's going to say I'm biased and everybody's just going to say, I'm going to choose to stay with Justin Fields. But I, I got to think you got to start building them around him. I think, you know, I think he had a pretty good year. Um, he knows how to run with the ball. And I think you just got to keep surrounding him, giving him a good O-line, uh, getting a good tight end, wide receivers. You you fill out those positions around him. Because, like, you know, if you put Justin Fields in a situation like Jalen Hurts has, how how awesome would he be in that situation? Because in Jalen's situation – What's his best strength? Running the ball. Running the ball. And he's able to make everybody else look great. But you got to surround, you know, Justin Fields. And I think, you know, you lost Roquan Smith. That is that is a huge, huge piece to lose. Um, you know, I think you got to start doing some things to, you know, make him look right rather than blame it all on and put everything on his shoulders. There's going to be times and heartaches for the young quarterbacks. But the best thing you can do is build around him and, you know, make sure he understands that we're centered on making you uh, have the best offense around you so you can be the best person. I also think, too, I mean, he showed up a good amount of the, the ability to run, like you said, Jalen Hurts, whatever. But I also think, too, I mean, you know as well as I do, Cam, the number one overall pick will get a bunch of draft capital back. And then I saw yes. Mel Kuyper today on ESPN say they're going to trade to two and then they're going to trade back after two. So they could get six to seven draft picks to build around Justin Fields. And then, like you said, you could end up maybe even use one of those to get an A.J. Brown type player or like a DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins or somebody who's available. So I'm with you. I don't see why you would go backwards and draft another rookie when you could trade back and get a ton of picks for this year and next year. And you and said build around them. Right. You could, like you said, you could get the picks, but then you could also get players on top of that. Mm-hmm. That is, that is smart general manager right there. I think we played our, our share of Madden plenty of times and understand those opportunities. You don't need the number one pick, but you need more picks and more players. 
And I think that that would be a really advantageous situation going forward. It's also a dangerous game to trade away Justin Fields because you think Bryce Young or someone is better. And then Justin Fields goes on to be a Hall of Famer and Bryce Young or whoever didn't turn out to be as good because the team around him just wasn't that good. Mm hmm. Um, so interesting spot for the bears. I think they, they trade back and build around them, but those rumors yeah. are kind of been crazy. And I wonder if that's maybe them just trying to get more draft capital out of people like, Hey, we may take a quarterback. So we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's, let's, let's continue to just keep building around them and, you know, make sure that, uh, we set them up for the future. Yeah. I, I like how you always got to support your Buckeyes too. If he was, a, if he was a Michigan man, you would not have picked him. To, you would I don't have like, Michigan right? quarterbacks in the league anymore, bro. I know. Brady. Well, hey, Chad Hetty. I don't know. Is Chad Hetty still in gone. Is, He's gone. Did out. he retire too? Yes. Damn. he retired. Uh, all right. Damn. Building the perfect same game parlay can be time consuming, but with quick picks, the Caesar Sportsbook app does the work for you. Quick picks are pre-built same game parlays that turn today's biggest headlines, storylines, and games into bets. They're quick and easy easy to use and you can't miss them they're right on the home screen of your caesar sportsbook app give them a try and if you haven't downloaded the app yet register using code omaha full and then place your first bet if you win congrats if you don't you'll get your stake up to 1250 dollars back as a bet credit if you have a gambling problem in arizona call 1-800 next step colorado wyoming kansas affiliated with kansas crossing casino call 1-800-522-4700 indiana call 1-800-9 with it iowa call 1-800-bets-off louisiana call 1-877-770-STOP Licensed to Horseshoe, Bossier, City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, which is 1-800-426-2537. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Okay, let's do some not just football, quick quick hit topics from the fans. Mm. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some of these people's names, and I hope I pronounce them correctly, and I apologize if I do not, all right? Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm letting everybody know. I'm just letting you know, too. All right, Mark Bergen wants to know, what was your welcome to the Pittsburgh Steelers moment? Oh, um, my welcome to the Pittsburgh Steelers moment would be when um, it was my rookie year. We were, it wasn't even, I won't even go game. I'll go practice. Um, I had gotten, you know, it was my first couple of days of practice during training camp. And, you know, surprise, I wasn't fighting, but, you know, the O-line just started to jump me. And, you know, that was their way of like welcoming, you know, the young boy to the group. Um, I came to the sideline and Coach Mitz goes, you can fight back. 
you know, you're not going to be penalized here. And so I was like, oh, okay. So then I go back and somehow I get into another fight and, you know, more of me just going hard because guys, you know, there's a level of respect and I didn't think I had to do that at that moment. Uh, get in the fight and, you know, Coach Mitchell comes up to me. He's like, okay, let's see if you can keep it going. And so I feel like I got in the fights the whole time. But then the funniest part was uh, Casey Hampton finally was like, y'all ain't about to just jump him. And so he came from the sideline and just started, you know, fighting everybody. And I knew I was like, okay, I got the D lines back. You know, they're going to look out for me now. Who was the offensive lineman that was fighting you the most or picking on you the most? <sighs> there was Willie. Um, Pounce always tried to get a cheap shot. Uh, Kiss, Chris uh, Kimawatu. Um, Max he, starts never fought anybody. Chris Kimawatu was crazy. He was, he's, he Juicy's was, not crazy, though. Dude, Juicy's, he would be a guy who there's a pile, and then Kiyomatu comes out of nowhere and just destroys somebody on top of the pile. And think about this. Chris used to play uh, kickoff return. He was the wedge. I used to the play wedge. <laughs> and so imagine that dude on the wedge. I think that he was a monster at it. Um, uh, why, why'd you call him Juicy? His nickname was Juicy? His nickname was Juicy. Why is that? Everybody just call him Juicy. Juice. Oh, but, okay. But, uh, you know, those were the culprits. Trey Essex would get in there. Max Starks never fought. Um, Doug Ligurski, I fought a lot. Um, I could go down the list. There was a lot of O-linemen I fought in my time. It, it's Ramon, I would fight. Ramon Foster, I would fight sometimes. Um, Villanueva, I feel like I read a couple times you guys got into it. Maybe yeah, not. but that was like once or twice. Like, uh, okay, that was but, a broadcasted one for sure. Yeah, like everybody makes a big deal about it, but like everybody fights during practice. I don't even have the craziest fights, uh, so you know it, it, it's always fun when they happen uh, because. Can you give us craziest fight you've seen at Steeler Camp? I know there's quick hitters. Ooh, I know it's quick hitter, but think about it real quick. Uh, I think the A B Ike T that led to Troy and RC jumping in was crazy because it was like AB and IT were going back and forth. And then AB started talking to, um, to coach LeBeau. And once he started talking to coach LeBeau, RC and TP weren't having that. So one thing led to another, you start hearing Troy chop, start talking. It, it, it set everybody off. Wow. Okay, man. I, that was a good one. I didn't think those, that was a, that was a <laughs> lot of names in that one. That was a good yeah. one. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going to move on here. This is a little bit charity stuff here. Uh, we have Ted Lacus or Lacus, I believe he, sure. uh, he wants to know uh, how he can donate clothes to Craig's closet. Oh, well, nice. Um, I would say you can go on to the Cameron Hayward uh, foundation.org and you can donate right there. There's a, there's a um, menu button, and you can go straight to donate. Uh, we appreciate your donations, um, but uh, we're always looking for them, and they Do go to help out a lot of people. Is it just Pittsburgh where you have everything, or there is it Atlanta have a, a a place where we can donate in Atlanta, or is it just Pittsburgh? Um, we're we're donating clothes just in Pittsburgh, okay. uh, but donations of any uh, kind, um, monetary donations can go straight to the foundation. I mean, straight to the website, but clothes are mostly in Pittsburgh. 
And uh, just for the people who aren't familiar, explain to everybody what Craig's Closet is and why you do it. Yeah, Craig's Closet is ded- dedicated to my dad. Uh, he only had one suit throughout high school and college. Um, so one thing he wanted to start was giving suits to young men for uh, job interviews, proms, college interviews. Um, and now we are able to do that. And we're also, we've been fortunate enough, I think we have about 10 in high schools right now. Uh, and it's just continuing to grow. Um, in the high schools, we have like a room. We we set it up almost like a store where people can check out a, out a uh, suit, get it tailored, get fitted. We have shoes, ties, belts. Um, and, you know, we like to celebrate those kids. We end up throwing a big uh, get-together called Suiting for Success where we're able to um, highlight these children and find out what they have planned for their lives and where they're going to school or they have prom coming up uh, and they wear their suits. They look very uh, put together um, and they're just all excited. Um, and it's, it's really cool to hear their stories. Yeah, no, it's super cool. I just hope you're not giving fashion advice. Um, and I hope you're sticking to your, uh, wait, 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 why not? I am a stud when you, it comes you, to yeah, you cheat. You got a stylist. It doesn't, you don't, you don't have, you don't have the, like the, the nat you're like me. I don't have the natural style. I need to hire a stylist too. So don't, I don't, you know, don't feel bad. What? Um, wait, who doesn't have a stylist? I don't have a stylist. <laughs> no, but you, okay. Who do you look at in your fashion world? Who you think I, doesn't have a stylist? I'm not going to lie. I don't look at fashion. I'm you not. think Odell Beckham doesn't have a stylist? I'm sure he has a stylist. I guarantee he's got a stylist. I he's, known for, he's known for his fashion. Boom. Um. All right. Last question. And I think this might be the most important one because I, I really think we'll probably differ on this. Peyton Aronson, I believe I hopefully I pronounced that correctly, wants to know, is love really blind? It can be. Mm, well, look the at my show wife. doesn't know. The show no. says no. But when I look at my wife and she looks back at me and I look in the mirror, love is blind because I don't know how I pulled that off. Shut up. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The thing is, love is blind as I'm taking it to the reality TV show. And there's no way in hell, Cam, that you would talk to somebody on the other side of a wall and then propose to them. I just, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could do that. I think that's very strange. And I just think, like, there are a lot of sounds I would hear on the other side and be like, what the hell is going on over there? Like, if someone ever, like, passed gas over there, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, like, is she okay? Is she hotboxing? Like, what is going on over there? There's there's so much there, and I'm sorry. I'd be the person to be asking questions to try to figure out looks and things like that i would be it'd be oh, terrible. no you're not gonna be the guy who I'm, says listen, hey can i put you on no, my shoulders at a concert no, no there's no there's more clever way to do it than that okay but like, <laughs> there are i don't listen i've not planned it out but i'm telling you there's ways to do it like listen i'm telling you i don't think it is blind that show is ridiculous and as much as i love it but i do want to ask you because you texted me what you're getting wait, a wait. This okay yeah everybody thought i wasn't sober in this moment but i was i was completely i was getting a pedicure at Damn, the time you were firing off thoughts for the show and i'm like you had to have a mimosa or two no no i was completely sober and i was just getting a pedicure and i was like what if they came up with like love is blind for athletes like all their favorite athletes and like all your favorite athletes all in the same place and looking to date. But it's both both people are athletes. Yes. 
Oh man, I would, I would, I would sign up for that. I would, I mean, dude, I watch regular people. I watch people from freaking whatever yes. reality show. So I would definitely watch athletes doing it for sure. I think, I th- and you could just see the competitive side and really like get to know some people, and then you could see like how crazy some some of these athletes are, and how like you know they're very beautiful on the outside, but they are scary inside that's the worst part man is, is that's the problem <laughs> athletes wouldn't do it because you find out you like you you start to i hate to say it judge these people off what you're watching mm. so it's like man you're like god that person is such a bad person you're like oh no i don't know if athletes would do it okay side note I'll, i will say i was very shocked one time um i was going to the super bowl as a rookie before my rookie year watching the steelers and green bay play I went to a party, a Gatorade party, and, you know, you know, there's people around me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm right next to some really cool athletes. Okay, after they had a karaoke party. Do you know who loves karaoke more than anybody that I was just shocked by? I have no idea. Serena Williams. Really? Yes. What, what was she singing? I don't even remember what she's singing, but I remember just being like in awe, like, oh, my gosh, like, Serena okay. That that's her. Was it? Were you impressed with her karaoke, or were you like, it's just Serena Williams doing karaoke? I was impressed how how much she was into it. How about that? <laughs> okay, okay. You can't remember the song. I can't remember the song. I can't remember the song. Um. Wow. All right. Real quick though, what's your go-to karaoke? Ooh, uh, Nelly, ride with me. Wow, man, I did not see that one coming. Interesting. That's a good one, though. Good song. Yes. Um, all right. So the boss, Peyton Manning, is a part of a new show called boss. Goats on the History Channel. Yes. Uh, and in his latest episode, they did a stadium smackdown and listed the top 10 stadiums of all time. That face is kind of saying it all. I think we both agree on this. I mean, first off, Yankee Stadium being one on that list is insane. It shouldn't even be on the list. I opinion. like the Yankees, but I think we give a lot more credit to the baseball stadiums for some odd reason. Uh, there's historic value there, but it shouldn't be one. Like to me, Madison Square Garden should be ahead of Yankee Stadium. Yeah, Madison Square Garden. Um, why did we even put the Coliseum? No one even was that around. Like that's just that's lame. Like I kind just- of agree with that too. I, I agree that it like the historical value. I'm there, but I'm also with you. Like that's not a part of this. That's not who what we're can doing say here. they were at the Coliseum. Like we have nobody who can say that. Like ooh, we never saw anybody like get their head chopped off there. Like that's ridiculous. Okay. So, so for the list, the list goes Yankee stadium, the Coliseum Rome, Madison square garden, Fenway park in Boston, the LA Memorial Coliseum. So that's where USC plays. I believe Wembley mm. stadium, Comiskey park. Another one that I'm like, Comiskey park. You're not going to put Wrigley in there. Uh, Wimbledon, the Astrodome in Houston, Texas, and the Superdome in, in New Orleans. I'm not going to lie. I would probably take off the, the, the Astrodome, the Superdome, Comiskey Park, and Yankee Stadium. The best thing about the Astrodome was that's where the Bad News Bears played. Isn't that where Friday Night Lights was filmed too? The Is movie? that? I think that's where they played the the championship game. In oh, so that, that was pretty cool too. Big but whoop. Still, big but, whoop. Like, but like, I Wimbledon? mean, dude, how, how is the Rose Bowl not on here? Yeah, and let's be honest. We both think the Horseshoe and the Big House should be on here. I would agree. And Death Valley's not even on here. Well, I was going to say, Cam, LSU. I mean, if you even want to Valley our, is one of the coolest places. If, if you want to take our allegiances out of it, yes. you don't have one college football stadium in here? 
Man. I mean, how, Cam, you played in Beaver Stadium in, for Penn State. How crazy is that stadium? Or you could give uh, Notre Dame's. Um, Them too, yeah. You know, I can't remember the name, so it must not be that famous. But Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> but, uh, but, I'm, but, but I just think, too, to not have any college football stadiums on there is insane. Yeah, the experts are wrong. Um, this is a cool show on the History Channel, but uh, we might need to investigate these experts. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. But now we got to get to our special, 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 special conversation with the great Ryan Leaf. He sat down with us at Super Bowl, so take a listen. All right, guys, we are here at Radio Row, and we have a special, special guest. Ryan Leaf is here with us. Man, thank you so much for coming out today. Yeah, man, it was good to see you. Uh, just just told you I've been a lifelong Steelers fan. Yeah, so. I did not know that at all. No, it's uh, – I don't think the fans do, too. They give me a lot of hell. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. You know, I was just like, hey, you know, it might have reached with Kenny Pickett a little bit. But, I mean, but, you know, you still got the guy. But, oh, man, I caught hell for like two days. Like, I'm a Steelers fan. I want him to be awesome. You're right, right. Yeah. Well, you're on the different side now. You're part of the media. I am. So if you're not part of Steelers media, we're going to hate you, yeah. I guess. I <laughs> Unless love it, Unless you say though. something nice, though. If you said something nice about Kenny, I'm sure they would have flooded your mentions with Well, I did. Things. When he got drafted, I was like, I love it. I love the draft pick. I loved him coming out of college. So, right. you know, you just it's it's the 24-hour news cycle, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's who you are that day is whether you're hated or loved, and it's mm. the world we live in. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really want to ask you because – I hate that people label players draft bust. Mm-hmm. How do you define that term, and what do you think should be done with it? Um, well, yeah, there's no, there's no truth in it. There's right. A, you know how hard it is to get to where we got. Yes. Uh, all the all the days that no one saw us, you know, shooting hoops in the gym, yeah. you know, throwing routes uh, before school started. I mean, just everything that goes into it. I'm the only Montanan who's ever been drafted in the first round wow. of the NFL draft. Wow. So there are more first-round draft picks in the Manning family than the whole state of Montana <laughs> ever, okay? So it, it's, uh, there's, there's, you know, it was it's something special. And I think for the longest time, yeah. I, cared so much about, I cared so much about what other people thought mm-hmm. that I didn't fully realize, you know, what I had accomplished until right. later in life, until I got some perspective and I understood. So I don't like it. I understand it is what it is, the expectations that exist when you're such a high draft pick and when uh-huh. you're drafted alongside arguably the greatest ever play. Right. Those things come into play. So what did I do? I, I flipped it. I, I took the power away. I did. I named my podcast Bust, the Ryan Leaf story. <laughs> and it's done like over a million downloads. So we're, we're all cool. I love they, it. People who want to call me Bust are making me a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. lucrative. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it, it's awesome that you did that. Is there any advice you would give for the new kids in social media world going into the league? Well, I think they're just so much more well prepared for the criticism than yeah. we ever were. Right. You know, when if I would have been just if after a game the immediate uh, response was just this vitriol and uh, critical, uh, um, you know, 
critical analysis and stuff like that, I don't know what I would have done. Mm -hmm. I already had a hard enough time here reading about it in the paper the next morning <laughs> with the beat writer. <laughs> Imagine getting it sitting in your locker room, yeah. fresh off throwing a pick to end the game oh. or something, and people telling you, you know, you are the worst thing in the world. So I, I think these players are so much more well prepared coming into the league. Mm -hmm. You know, you're still going to see some missteps, yeah, especially with the money and the entitlement and things that come like that. But I think mm -hmm. they're incredibly more prepared, more mature entering the NFL than I ever was in mm -hmm. what, 25 years ago. I, you brought this off offset, but I want you to explain that there was a rule change when you were in college. Well, yeah, we played in the Rose Bowl for the national championship against Michigan. Uh, where Peyton was playing against Michigan guy right there. I am a Michigan fan. Yes, yeah. I well, am, Peyton yeah. was playing against Nebraska <laughs> for essentially the, uh, yeah, the other. He blew that one. Kind of yeah, national yeah. championship. Yeah, Nebraska had T-shirts that read "Temporary Washington State yeah. Fan." <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I have one of them somewhere. Really? Somewhere. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. But uh, so there's two seconds left on the clock. Our, uh -huh. We throw a hook and ladder. Our third string running backs in because our two guys got injured during the game. Right. And he catch. And th the thing I said in the huddle too was like, you know, just whatever you do, get out of bounds. Okay. Mm -hmm. We just at least we have a shot. Well, he does a hook and ladder, and, and just muscle memory takes over. Guy who played, plants his foot right next to the sideline, oh. cuts back in, picks up about six yards, right. gets tackled. There's two seconds left. We all run up. We get everybody set. I spike it. Boom. Look up. There's still one second there, and it goes. <laughs> and then, you know, I went after the official. Everybody's, everybody's going crazy. Michigan's jumping up in the air, all the things like that. They wave the game off. Well, there's no instant replay back then. Mm -hmm. So in the offseason, they made a rule. Uh, the change now for you to be able to spike the football you have to have three seconds left on the clock regardless right. so you know if there's two seconds then I would have ran right up to the, the ball and we would have snapped it and ran a play yeah. right but instead I thought you know two seconds I can spike that and get it done with and I, I hate I hate watching it sometimes in NFL games or college games you'll see a guy step up with five seconds on the clock they'll spike it and they'll stay four seconds left uh -huh. still there I'm going it, yeah. it's, it's all about it's who's up there hitting that who's the switch. clock operator who's that the day? Clock it really is clearly, all about that Clearly, he was a uh, Michigan fan. He was a uh, he was a, a blue man of blue. <laughs> yeah, you know, we don't we like to talk about Michigan those guys. Man. We don't no. like to talk about. Those no, guys. we don't. Sorry, I'm state school guy. I love it yeah. too, right? Yeah, I love him even more now. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Washington, not Ohio, though. State school, same thing. We yeah. look at Washington no. like you, you just rich, spoiled people. <laughs> same with Michigan. I get it. I get it. <laughs> All right. Well, we had a quarterback make some headlines and he's not playing he's an older guy Trent Dilfer he talked about the modern day game doesn't impress him and it's super easy because you don't get hit as a quarterback how do you feel about that well uh, there is some truth in the fact you don't get hit yeah <laughs> very true yeah. right very true I mean some of the uh, some of the things if you I have to, touch you right now that's a penalty it is <laughs> and it's absurd it's absolutely absurd that's the game you play right we are informed enough now we know what the game does mm -hmm. and understand it but I get what the NFL is trying to accomplish I mean what pushes the agenda what does everything it's the quarterback play mm -hmm. it just is it's a quarterback's league so keep them safe I agree with him in the fact that they are not fearful at all of right. getting hit so they'll sit in the pocket much longer than they may ever have because they know they're not going to get the beating. I couldn't. Reggie White, Derek Thomas, <laughs> Bruce Smith were, were ah. knocking me the hell out. Man, those are three <laughs> Hall of Famers coming at right. you, too. That ain't good. I remember one time I escaped Reggie White. We're, he was in Carolina at the time, and I threw this, like, 75-yard bomb, and he, he he was hanging off my foot after I let it go, and I I looked down. I kind of helped him up, and that deep old voice is just a damn leaf. You were big. <laughs> I was just like, and that voice of his, I was just like, yeah, I mean, it's a different it's a different world. So I agree with him there. Right. I think the speed mm -hmm. of this game now 
is something that no one could have ever anticipated. No. The speed of the players, the strength of the players, all of that has. Were you guys running much hurry up back then? Yeah, we did. We ran. Okay. You know, we ran. I mean, I think Peyton really instituted it in terms of a uh, a way the offense has changed in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I felt more comfortable when I was at the line of scrimmage, being able to kind of dictate what what I you know what the defense showed me, which allowed me to run the play I wanted to run. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, tr- I played with Trent. I, I love him. You know. <laughs> You know, we, we like we talked about the 24-hour news cycle. We say some yeah. things that mm-hmm. we, we, you know, I don't necessarily think the context of it was is that our generation was greater than this generation type mm-hmm. of mentality. Um, you know, I don't also want to rail against a guy that's holding a Lombardi trophy like he does too. Yeah, either. that's true too. <laughs> uh, would you have liked to play in the current offense though today? Are like how me? much different are they than what you played in? Yeah, I would have loved it. Uh, I also think it would have been really difficult for me uh, – like the RPO game for me, like the ball handling aspect of things, the fake and getting the hand. I had to have the laces. I mean, I, my hands were big enough to throw it from anything, but I had to have the laces to feel really comfortable with where I was dictating the ball. And the ball handling that these quarterbacks exhibit now, and I, I want to say this too, uh, you know, in, in probably defense of the modern game and, and, and against what Trent Dilfer was saying, the quarterbacks are smarter. These mm-hmm. offenses are, are, more, are, are more difficult to understand. And you, you call like three or four. Maybe sometimes three or four plays in the huddle mm-hmm. and walk to the line of scrimmage and make it work. <laughs> I mean, it's incredibly impressive what these yeah. guys are doing. And I, and for somebody who wasn't able to, you know, you know, accomplish what I wanted to accomplish at the NFL level, I'm in awe of the guys that are able to do it. Well, I think you guys had the more advantage, though. You guys can throw over the middle. I mean, they can throw over the middle. You guys couldn't because – Get guys blown up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Ed Reed or Troy Palomalo coming down the center – you're done. Yeah, and that, that, that's even before my time when, you know, I, I played with Rodney Harrison in oh, uh, yeah. in San Diego, and that that guy did not care. He was the first honey badger. Man, that that dude did not <laughs> care about anything. He was taking you out. You were not going to come anywhere near the middle. And he knew he had Junior Seau backing him up when he mm-hmm. did it. Very true. Something Give me your welcome to NFL moment. Arrowhead. Arrowhead. 2-0 and as a starter. Okay. Feeling good. First time it had happened as a rookie since John Elway in 1983. Mm. Walk into Arrowhead, had spent the entire week in the hospital with a staph infection from the week before, sliding on oh. turf, and I, some, of the, some of my tights had melted into my skin, and I got sick. So I was in the hospital all week, but I was going to play. I was going to show everybody, big, tough, rookie quarterback. Peyton had lost his first two starts and thrown a bunch of picks. I'm like, I'm killing this thing. <laughs> this, is, this is all me. I'm going to go own Arrowhead now. And went into Arrowhead. Rich Gannon was the quarterback for Kansas City at the time. Uh, had a wonderful warm-up. I don't know what they shot me up with. I don't know. It was adrenaline or who knows what the hell. I was going <laughs> after it. And uh, um, proceeded to go out and have the worst football game of my life. One for one for 15 for four yards, two picks, three fumbles, like five sacks. It was a rainstorm. It was a monsoon. It was crazy weather. Gannon didn't play much better. We lost by, you know. But uh, that was my introduction. That's like, like that, that moment where, hey, welcome to the NFL, kid. Yeah. Uh, and what really solidified it, it was, and you've, you've experienced this, you're standing on the sideline, they're singing the national anthem, and no one told me. I mean, somebody come tell me that says, hey, at the end of the national anthem, they don't say uh, land of the free home of the brave, right? Right. They say chiefs, and the whole oh, yeah. place does it. <laughs> and it, it did it, and I just like had goosebumps on the back of my, like my hair stood up on the back of my neck. I'm just like, oh. Where the hell am I? <laughs> I mean, that was that was my that was my welcome to the NFL moment. Yeah, I've I've told mine before, but just we were playing Baltimore my first game, 
and we had just come off of losing the Super Bowl, but they had beat them three straight times, the Steelers had. And so we're playing, I'm not starting, but you walk, walk out there, I see Rashard Menhall get clotheslined by Haloti Nada, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is a little different. And then they're just running the ball. It's crazy. Like, they were just so hyped. And it was, you know, it was September 11th. And you know those games are just, like, elevated. Yep. And so I remember going, getting in that game, like, at the end of the game because we were getting blown out. And I was like, ooh, this is a different speed. But uh, the energy and intensity is it's nothing, you can nothing it in to. college. Yeah. Nothing in college. Even when 100,000 people are standing there screaming in, in Columbus or Because they're all for me. But even in Ann Arbor, I mean, 110,000. Ann Arbor didn't get loud uh, well, because yeah, we never right. lost. You got, you, that's right. You got Michigan at the worst tenure of Michigan football ever. So congratulations. I had to put them there. Yeah, hey, man. Whatever. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, yeah. Yes, sir. Rich yeah. Rodriguez and Brady Hoke. That's all I'm going to say. All right? That's all I'm going to say. Brady Hoke was the defensive coordinator on that, that, that Michigan team that beat us in the Rose Bowl. Was he really? Yeah. Okay, that's right. Did he wear his headset? I, I, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> he did wear a headset as a head coach, so probably not. Okay, probably We don't need not. to keep doing this. Leave Brady Hoke alone. Okay, I'm okay? sorry. I'm sorry. Leave him alone. He's got the best job in the world now. San Diego State. Yeah, he New is. New stadium, yep. living in Diego. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That is a yeah. cushy job right there. Yeah, you cannot beat that. You can win the Mountain West every year, Brady. Oh, yeah. You know that. Can't so win you, the Big Ten to save your life. But you no, can no. Mountain no. West. Set Michigan back about 10 years, too. <laughs> Just getting out of that hole now. All right. I want to know, what was your draft experience like? It was incredible, right? right? Peyton and I were going to be the first or second pick. Mm-hmm. We knew it. We didn't. We kind of, you know, we kind of controlled. I wish I would have understood the power that I had mm-hmm. and like the leverage that I had, because I would have like went to my agent and said, "I don't care how you make it work. Just make sure I end up in Pittsburgh." Um, mm, but wow. at the time, I didn't, you know, I didn't really care. I was going to get to go play fo- pro football. Right. But quarterbacks at the top of the draft like that, him and I, we were graded out at like nine point eight in our grades, like yeah. one of the highest grades ever for draft prospects, so we did whatever we wanted. We didn't go to things. We didn't go to do anything, the, the combine. We had one pro workout date where we right. balled out. And him and I both knew it. Every time we got to events and things like that, we are just like, what are you doing that? I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that either. Um, because we were going to be the first or second pick in the NFL draft. No, yeah. that, that, that's, that's rare. And so um, when we went to the draft, the night before, it was like 9.30. I knew what was happening. I went to bed. I slept great. Woke up. My, my grandpa wow. was there. You slept? All night. Oh, my gosh. I got back to my room at like 12 o'clock. I just got done with interviews. Oh, you mean the day you got drafted? No. I, oh, I'm talking about combine. Oh. We, we were just. Oh, we, we, we left the combine. We didn't even stay. Lucky you. Yeah. Lucky you. I'm show, over here stressing. He's already got. No, we were done. Drafted. Draft day. Draft day for me, it was I went to sleep the night before the draft because I knew what was going to happen. And then just experienced the whole thing. And it was on Saturday back then, oh, Saturday yeah. morning. Mm. I got drafted. I get the, did the media. Ownership had their plane there, swooped me up. We flew to San Diego. On the way, we stopped in Vegas. Oh. All my boys from Montana <laughs> came. Wow. We all, my uncles, we all partied all night long. Um, you know, I get a lot of hell for it because people go back to, like, of course, how your career ended. This guy stopped and he went to Vegas the night of his, night of his draft. Peyton, uh, Grabbed his playbook and went back to the hotel. Peyton didn't grab his playbook and go back to the hotel. <laughs> Peyton went and partied his ass off. Everybody knows it, all right? This yeah. narrative is tired. And I still love the fact that night, my dad, all my uncles, all my best friends that helped me mm. sacrifice. And the ownership had a place in Vegas. We stopped. Next morning, put me on the flight, went out and did the press conference. You know, it's, mm. it was, it's a special, special night uh, for me and my whole family. Appreciate you doing that. Let us know of any upcoming projects you got going on. Well, there's a lot. I mean, I'm doing a ton of work in the media. Uh, mm-hmm. 
but I think the foundation of, of what I do is, is about uh, giving back in terms of. And what's the name of the foundation? No foundation. It's the Ryan Leaf uh, freaking story. Um, I spent three years in prison. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a drug addict. Um, I'm in recovery. I don't get the life that I get to lead unless uh, uh, I make it about other people. What's ironic about that is like your life gets better when you make it about other people. Yes, sir. And so that's been the, the foundation of it. And by doing that, I get to do so many other cool things, right? I have my podcast, uh, I have my own TV show. I call games on the weekends for ESPN. I do a ton of work with uh, uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio. Mm -hmm. Just got done with my show a little bit earlier this morning. I mean, it's uh, if you'd have told me 10 years ago when I was sitting in a prison cell that I'd be hanging with Cam Hayward uh, <laughs> on a couch. That's Super Bowl Radio Row, uh, right? Super Bowl Radio Row, I would have told you, you are absolutely nuts. That's never going to happen. I'm going to spend my life in this cell, and I'm going to, if I'm not, I'm probably going to be dead because of it. And, uh, and I mean, what, a, what an amazing story. Um, and it's a big reason why um, people are, find me relatable because I'm, you know, I'm a flawed human being like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all flawed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on. We love your story. Thank you so much for spending time with us and coming on the show. It means a lot to us. Hey, can, can I come out to a Steelers game? Can I be a guest here or something? Of course. Dude. I, I'm dead serious. Dude, I am Lewis, dead serious. Lewis Lips. Was I used to run around Lewis my house? Lips. I used yes. to run around so he my was house. A fan. He's dropping Lewis lips. He I used to run around with 83 on my on my back. With, with oh man! Now my little brother wears 83. So I saw that. Now you can wear 83. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so cool, man. That is such a cool deal. Um, remind me why the logo's only on one side. I honestly don't know why it's only on one Somebody side. told me why that oh. was the case. Find that out. I will. That's, that's great history for you to know because I knew it. Uh, somebody told me it years ago, and I forgot why it was. Uh -huh. Something to do with the steelworkers. At first, yeah. this was temporary measure because the Steelers weren't sure they would like the look of the logo on one helmet. They wanted to <laughs> test them before going on. It's not telling me anything. Okay. Sorry. I'll try to find it. It, it. it has something to do with the steelworkers, I think. But yeah. uh, uh, I love it. I love the Pittsburgh Steelers. I love what you're doing. I want you guys to get back to the Super Bowl so I can. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, appreciate you again, Ryan Lee, for you coming bet. on. My pleasure, brother. We'll see you around. Yep. Come to the game. Thanks. Thanks, man.